Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Welcome back to the Heels in the Courtroom podcast. This week, we are talking about the week in review for all of us and pulling from our last week just the normal challenges that we find and things that we encounter and overcome. Mary, would you like to start? I'm going to hand it off to Liz to start. Oh, God. That'll get cut. All right. (laughs) Folks, saddle in. I had quite a week. So I'm coming back. This is the first week I feel like I've been fully in the office after several weeks of traveling. And I did- For work. Yes, not for fun. That's really, that's a really important detail. my topic. Okay. (laughs) But I did something that I think a lot of attorneys do, I think especially female attorneys do, where we just- when we see that we have free time, we just load ourselves up. So I had all of this stuff that I had planned out weeks ago that I was going to do on the week I got back. And that was an, a terrible mistake because I feel like I, I just came back and I was overwhelmed and I feel like I was already behind. And I don't know, I had looked at myself in the bathroom mirror before I came to work one day and I was like, I look like garbage. So I like, well, didn't feel good at work. I didn't feel good at home. And it just felt like it was all coming in at once. And and I'm in a group chat with a couple of my friends from law school. And I guess one of my friends was feeling really overwhelmed as well. And he mentioned how stressed out he is at work. And and we were kind of going back and forth and commiserating on it. And and I had made the comment of, at least I don't have children. I can go home and relax. No one expects anything of me when when I get home. And in some awful cosmic justice I get home and there's some sort of terrible family drama that's going on that I have to step in and now my family's all mad at me and then I'm thinking people at work are mad everyone's mad at me and I just lost it and I had a a good half hour cry I had to have someone uh, come back and tell me it's a bad day but go to bed, get some sleep. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. And I felt fine the next day. And I'm still here. (laughs) But I think that that's just an aspect of this job is you're going to have really, really bad days sometimes where it just feels like everything is going wrong. And then the next day you're going to have a really good day and it's going to kind of be that roller coaster up and down. And on the really bad days, you're going to feel like, I picked the wrong career, I'm not doing what I should be doing, I should have picked something less stressful, and then on the really good days, you're going to think, thank God I don't have a static job, thank God I get to do something interesting that keeps my attention, that I want to come back to. So that was just sort of the, the realization that, I mean, I've had that realization before, I've been doing this long enough, but it just hit me really hard this week in particular of there's going to be really trash days and then there's going to be some days that aren't hot garbage and you know those days as long as you're having more of the good days than the bad days then you know stick it out so anyway i'm here anyone else want to pick up on that after that (laughs) yeah well i will tell you that in my house a trial i had last year not the one you and i had together amy okay but in my house we did coin the phrase thunder tears (laughs) they only happen after 11 p.m Ah, okay. Baby midnight. They're called thunder tears. <laughs> they come on very quickly and very rapidly. Like thunder. Indeed. 
So maybe you maybe you experienced a little thunder tears. That's okay. Yes. It was just full on like Kim Kardashian losing her earring in the ocean. Oh ugly yeah. Crying. It was $175,000. I mean, people are dying, Kim. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I mean, at least she let everyone know how upset she was based on the price. True. Oh, man. I can look at my week in review, and I'm actually looking at it on my phone. And, and I think that this week just reiterates one of the things that Liz said is the, I love that no day's the same. And I think that's why you know, every day has its own task list. But one of the reasons why I liked it is because looking back on the week, it's not, I knew that I did a million things throughout the week, some at the office, some away from the office. But I love that I just, I know that a lot happened, but I I wasn't just sitting at my desk doing the exact same thing every day. But I think there's not one particular thing this week that really stands out to me that happened, but I, I'm just looking at it and the things that were on my calendar that I got done with, which is also a good feeling but knowing that no day is the same in this job. And that's why it's so fun to do. I have the moments that Liz was talking about too, but for the most part, I look at it and just, I'm so thankful that we have a job that every single day I'm learning something new. I'm talking to different people. I'm moving my clients' cases forward and no day is boring. I don't know how pertinent this is, but it kind of builds on something that we're all or at least I'm probably going to struggle with for the foreseeable future in this job, is that like we're never going to know all the answers. We're not going to be total experts in our field. So something that I struggle with lately as a person that's very new at doing this is when is the time to go ask the question or when do you just kind of figure it out on your own, do it, and then like the person who's going to review whatever you're doing can make the changes if necessary. So I spent most of Tuesday, I was doing some research for something I need to write, I haven't been writing a lot of stuff because I just took the bar of studying for that. So I hadn't done a lot of like hands-on nitty-gritty like research and writing. So I, I knew what I was writing about. Then I found like another issue that I thought we needed to cover. Wasn't really sure that we did. But if we needed to, it was going to kind of change the way I was going to write this response. And I couldn't decide as I'm not really a law clerk anymore, but I'm not really a, an attorney yet. So I'm, I'm not calling the shots, but like, do I go ahead and just write it or do I just like go ask the questions to someone that's also very busy doing like their job? And I, I spent a long time struggling with that decision. I started to write it and I was like, I don't know. And finally, I realized that like I probably just needed to go ask the question. But I think that that's something that probably as women, we struggle with more than men. So I think that it's something that I struggle with a lot, and I find it kind of difficult to overcome, but I think that the, the lesson of the week is probably to just cut your losses and ask the question. And let me say this, too. Since you don't work for me, I am giving you an open-door policy to come, like, bounce off your dumb questions off me. And if I also agree it's a substantial question to ask, maybe you'll feel less. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Because I'm used to working Find in that a person in your firm, too. Right. Yeah, I'm used to working in a room full of law clerks. And so I would be like, hey, what, what does everyone think about that? And working in an office alone is kind of an adjustment, I think. Come on down. Thank you. The longer you're out, the the more you forget when you learned something. So halfway through your career, like, I, I know this. I mean, this feels like something I've known for 100 years, but there's no way I knew 
how to do this or what the answer was to this within my first five years. And so I'm constantly trying to remember or trying to remind myself, I don't know when I learned that, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't my first year of law school or maybe my first year of practice. And I think that that's one of the things I, I tell myself. And I think most people will recognize that. So what I've always thought is I've always wanted to go to someone with a problem, but also with the possible solutions. If you just walk in and you say, I don't know what's going on here. Like if a law clerk walked in to me and said, I don't know what's going on here, I would have to be like, do some breathing. But if a law clerk walked in and said, hey, I've got, I've got this issue, I'm thinking A, B, or C, then, it, then you think, oh, all right, then I'm having a conversation. So I know that's what you do, Elizabeth. I know that's what you do. Yeah. So, and also come down to my office. Mm-hmm. Because at some point in time, I remember being told that you and I were going to get to work together. And I've been really patient. <laughs> really patient. Just so you know, I'm coming for you. All right, I'm okay, ready. Good. And another, another point on what Elizabeth just said, because I'm kind of in that zone, too, that Elizabeth is in. You are going to find, yeah, you are going to find that every single attorney for the most part is going to tell you something a little bit different if you get feedback on anything. So obviously if you're writing in my experience, if you're writing a motion response for someone, you know, for someone, meaning they're going to go argue it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, generally their style, if you've been working for them for a while, so you have a general idea, but day-to-day decision-making on cases. I have probably at one point or another asked every attorney in this office a question and some of them overlap as far as the topic goes or what the issue is in a case and I've gotten different answers. Every single one of them is a great way to handle it and I've taken notes on every single one of them but you'll also, with time, you'll get more confident in making that decision when you're doing something just because you know that there's not one answer. So your answer is an answer to it. It's a constant struggle. It's a struggle every day. I wake up every day and luckily I have the belief that I can do everything every day. I wake up every day and I say, I'm going to kill it today. I'm going to get everything done and then some. And I never Somehow, even though every day that goes by, I never accomplished that, I still get up the next day and think the same thing. I don't, I don't quite understand it. But it's just the belief that you can get it all done. And I was just looking at, in fact, I just <laughs> talking about just getting it all done. I just got a text literally a second ago that a family member is in the hospital. Okay, that's perfect. That, that's just a regular kind of, okay, how are we going to do with that? How is that going to fit in? And I think what you do is you just you just do it. You all are way too young. I keep feeling like I'm just throwing down like the age card. And I don't know why the <laughs> I'm doing that because I don't want to be the old woman at the table. You might remember <laughs> the commercial where it's like a military commercial. I don't know if it's the Marines or the Air Force, whoever. We get more done by 9 a.m. than most people get done in a full day. So anyway, I don't know what the heck, but I'm like, I'm going to get more done by 9 a.m. than the rest of the world's going to get done all day long. That's that's what I think every single day of my life. So I look at my calendar when the topic was week in review. Y'all, I don't know. Like, if you hold my calendar this way, like, you can't even read it because there's so much overlapping. But I do this to myself. 
we, we do this to ourselves. I never believe I can't get it done until I can't. And then I'm like, how did that, how did that happen? I'm micro scheduled, I'm micromanaged. And the way that works is you have to have a team of people in your life and in your practice that's on board with that. When I hired my current secretary a long, long time ago, I only had one, okay, two questions for her. Number one, do you mind if I curse? Luckily she didn't. And number two, can you keep up? Can you keep up with me? And she said yes. And 15 to 16 years later, (laughs) she is, except yesterday she put the wrong location on the deposition notice. But that's okay. We won't talk about that. Um, But every day I I overpack. And I've taught her to do that because every once in a while she'll send me an invite. Like I've got to call at 3 and then she'll send another one at like 3.15. I'm like, Donna, I don't know how you – but I've taught her that I can do it. So I think it's – a lot of it's mentality because we've got a lot of things to do. Don't you agree? Aren't there so many things that you want to do in your career and in your life? There are so many things that I want to do that there's no other way to get that done except just to get up every day and do it. So while I bemoan oftentimes by Friday afternoon how tired I am, especially after a glass of wine, but I wouldn't do it any other way. And I don't think anybody at this table would either. And that's why we're here. Because no one can ever tell me, no one can ever tell me I can't do it all. No one, ever. I mean, Amy, even what you're saying, I didn't do anything this weekend because I knew what time when the week started, it's go time. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm like, all right, I'm going to refuel, recharge, get some rest because I know what I have this upcoming week. But it also, I think it's because we have a job we want to do that Mm -hmm. we want to be there 110 percent every single day every minute we're working we're giving it that effort so it's interesting because i i knew what the next week had and what i wanted to get done yeah so i just was like all right i'm gonna just rest this weekend i know you well enough and your family well enough did you feel lazy this weekend did you did you feel bored and lazy i was actually with people in my family and my husband and when I was laying on the couch well, that watching, doesn't, that doesn't watching count. TV they said are you gonna do anything today and I was like you know what at, at times I was like wow I really haven't done it it's noon on a Saturday and I haven't done anything but I was kind of like it's noon on a Saturday I earned this time hey, yeah so I but am see, gonna relax that's the struggle because I did nothing on Sunday because weeks are constant and I do that to myself Weeks are constant. And so Sunday, there was nothing on the calendar. And so, you know, I did house stuff and kids stuff a little bit. But then some, I did pretty much nothing. And I mean, halfway through the day, I started getting this feeling like I'm either bored or lazy. And and you're like, God, stop. You can have 12 hours where you're not killing yourself. Yeah. Because you need that time to get it done the rest of the week. But it's just the way our minds think. And I think that's the way I've always believed that part of it is who you are innately, who you are innately, how you were raised, whatever it is. But I think if we just, particularly as women, you do do more. You want to do more. You have to do more. And I see it as a wonderful challenge every day. Am I successful every day? No. Do I let that bother me? No, I do not. Not for long, at least. Not for long. 
Well, so at the risk of a big eye roll, let me tell you about my week. Let's hear it. I was on vacation. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me find the, the point in all this. So this past month, about three weeks ago, we had a pretrial in a federal case. And the pretrial was set a week before trial. And we went through the entire pretrial, addressed all the issues, and then at the end of the pretrial, the judge told us, by the way, I can't try your case in a week. So it was postponed eight weeks from the time of the pretrial. And within that time was my birthday, my wife's 40th birthday, which is a big one, and our anniversary all within that time. And this whole summer leading up to this case, I didn't plan anything. We had a vacation in May, and then this trial was supposed to be in August. And I didn't plan anything because, you know, you can't. You're in trial, and you expect to be completely occupied that six weeks before in the week of trial. So once it was moved, I was like, oh my gosh, free for all. I turned into so, a travel agent. I'm so proud of you Instead for that. of a lawyer. So this past week from Friday to Wednesday, I know that sounds awkward, but that's when we went and it was a wonderful trip. We went without our nine month old and it was to celebrate Which is my why wife's. It was wonderful. It was. I didn't know how much we needed that break until we went home. That's right. Now I understand that coming back from vacation is a re-entry into parenthood and your work, which is a real double whammy, if you will. But it makes me think, I don't think anyone would disagree, whether you feel entitled to take a vacation or not, it's so important. And the older I've gotten in our practice, the more I understand how important it is to switch off. But at the same time, it's really important to make sure that your team behind you is trained to understand what switching off for you means, hmm. kind of in the way that you teach people how to treat you. And every lawyer has a different tolerance for switching off. I know that one of the lawyers in our firm completely takes his email exchange off his phone while he's on vacation. And that sounds ridiculous to some of the other attorneys. I like to monitor. Can you slice that together? I understand. <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was inspired. I so I was inspired when I heard that one <laughs> attorney did that. But I'm not quite to that comfort level. So I like to monitor and know that my paralegal is welcome to call me if something is really pressing, but she needs to know that I'm not going to be checking and responding to emails. I really would check in maybe once a day, once every other day, just to make sure there weren't any fires. But when I came back on Thursday of this week, I realized something that I didn't do that well was that I had a lot of stuff planned both days. Obviously that's a short week, two days left in the week before the weekend. And I probably should have given myself a little bit more time to clean up those emails and, you know, addressing any client or opposing counsel concerns because I do that, owe that to them and to do that in a timely fashion when I get back to the office. But I kind of learned each time I go out of the office, I learn kind of a better way to handle it. And I think that that is so important. So I think that it's a struggle for all of us to learn how to take time out from the office. It's also really important to take time when you can and to know that always you teach people how to treat you, especially in that regard. And if you train your team, they'll be hopefully have your back. And at the end of the day, 
there's not a lot in litigation that can't be fixed. True. True that. Yeah. I've done this the past two years where I get to, like, fall, and I realize, like, how many days did I take off this year? And it's not, like... I think it's a different culture, Erica, also coming from a defense background mm-hmm. where I know in the... The same defense background. The same defense background. Right, I have <laughs> well, I know in the, the couple... I didn't work a couple years that I only worked a couple months before I came over to Simon, and I don't think in that eight months... I took any time off in eight months. I think I worked on Christmas I Eve. only took off Christmas, but Good technically God. I didn't. <laughs> So, and part of that was because the the way that I felt at the firm was that I was incredibly replaceable. So I thought I'm going to keep my job by just outworking everyone. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And so I was like, if I work harder than everyone else, then I won't get fired. I'll keep my job. I'll be able to pay my bills. I won't, you know. <laughs> but even I still have a bit of that mentality. I'm four years out, and I I'm just really bad at scheduling things for myself and then when I do schedule things for myself I don't know how to turn off my phone and I remember the only time since I've I, I've started working that I really disconnected from my phone was on my honeymoon and that's because my husband said I will throw your phone in the ocean <laughs> if you check a single email but but I think that that's something that a lot of us struggle with in particular people my age is just we don't know how to get off our phones yeah. And that's a combination of emails, but also, you know, social media and everything. And so I'll check my Facebook. I'll check my Twitter. I'll check my email. And it's just, I'm in this Bermuda Triangle of apps on my phone, and I don't know how to stop. Yeah, I answered emails, I think, on my honeymoon. And then the attorney I was working with just said, stop. stop. <laughs> She's like, you will not be on emails anymore until. Right, because the Amy attorney told me not to. Yeah. Amy specifically said, do not answer emails. Well, it's really important, too, because the stop. attorney that you're working for, or in, in my case, like my paralegal, like, she's going to continue to work and she's going to continue to send me emails because it's I I don't want her to stop working while I'm not oh my gosh that would be a disaster so (laughs) anyway um but it's important to know that for her she knows that I'm not going to respond to an email if you need something answered call me and I will pay attention to that call but also please don't call me unless there's blood or fire I will answer the phone, blood or fire. You better have an answer. You should make it blood and fire. We need both elements in order for me to pick up the phone. Yeah, let's not not get ahead of ourselves. I need another couple years of practice before I say bloody and fire. All right. But I think that all all of that is explained by a couple of things. Number one, we we have strong work ethics, and we like what we do. And I, I think a piece of it is we don't like to feel like we're ever disappointing anyone. So it's it's all that kind of wrapped up together that requires a response, even if it's, I mean, I, I have things in my inbox that until there, it stares at me and it, it eats at me until I do something about it. And sometimes a day will go by and I have to, I'll say, thanks for this, I'll, I'll let you know. Or I just feel like, it's this constant. And then I think to myself, but they just emailed me out of the blue. That person emailed me out of the blue and asked me a question. And now I'm stressed out about letting a few hours go by before. I mean, I don't think they're expecting an immediate response. And then if some time does go by, then I'll say, I'm sorry for the delay. But am I? Am I sorry for the delay? What delay? Who, who's delay? So I have tried to teach myself, again, it's this whole idea 
of you teach people how to treat you. And it's really, people are forgiving. People are forgiving. You're doing them a favor. You respond to an email where they ask you a random question, and you're doing the best you can. And I think if you believe that internally, then it does make it easier to let 24 hours go by before you respond to an email. I mean, it's, it's okay. And the next time you want to say, sorry for the delay, change it to, thanks for your patience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's right. There's so many of those phrase out, phrases out there that, like, attack the, not attack, but kind of just reframe yeah. the things that we always want to apologize for. Don't apologize. Yeah. And on that note, we're not sorry that we're leaving. We're not sorry. <laughs> we're not sorry we're not that we're wrapping, too long. wrapping it up. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time on Heels in the Courtroom. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.